0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Anybody came to bless the name of the Lord this morning? He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. There's a song that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on, clap your hands with us like this. I will bless the Lord at all. His praises shall continually be in my mouth, no matter what I see or how I feel, as long as I'm breathing, oh yes, I'm breathing, I'll bless the Lord, as long as I'm breathing, oh yes, I'm breathing, I'll bless the Lord. Come on. Yeah, everybody say, I will bless, I will bless. praise that's it come on say it. No, matter no matter what i see or, or how I feel, I feel as long as i'm breathing as long as i'm breathing that's it oh yes i'm breathing i'll bless the lord as long as i'm breathing i oh yes i'm breathing i bless the lord oh man Say, no, matter what I see. no matter what I see or how I That's it. As long as I'm breathing. As long as I'm breathing. Oh yes, oh yes I'm breathing. I bless the Lord. As long as I'm breathing. As long as I'm breathing. Oh yes, I'm breathing. Come on say. let's do it together, let's do it together, God, we give you glory, say, let's do it together, let's do it together, come on, we came to look up the name of Jesus, come on, say, say, hey, you've, been better, than good to you've me. been better than good to me, that's all we said this morning, look at your neighbor, say, He's been better than good to you've me. been better than good to me, that's it, come on, lift it up, say, you've been better than good you've to been me. You've been better than good to You've me. been better than good to me Yeah You've been better than good to You've been me. better than good to me That's all we said this morning, come on, say You've been better than good He's been better than good to you. If he's been better than good to you, come on and clap your hands with us. Hey, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Hey. Whoa. He's been better than good to me. Come on and clap your hands Give God glory and praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. We give you glory, God. We reverence your name this morning. For you are great, God. You do miracles so great, God. There is no one else like you. For that, God, we give you glory. Hallelujah. Come on, can we worship God this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, 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 oh. We give you glory, Jesus. Oh, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I feel? Whom shall I be afraid? the Lord is my life's salvation. Whom shall I feel? Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. I will wait on you. Trust in you. Come on, say the Lord. The Lord is my light and salvation. Come on, say, shall, I fear? Whom shall I fear Who shall I, fear? Of whom shall I be? Who shall I shall I be? Who shall I be? Who shall I shall I fear? Who shall Wait on, them. I will wait on them. I will wait on you. I will wait on you. Come on, anybody wanting to trust in them, say, I will trust in you. I will trust No matter in what you. it takes, God, I will trust in you. I will yeah. trust in you. Come on. Come on, let's the Lord I will remain. I will remain. confident remain. in it. That's it. Yes, That's all we said this morning. Come on. Everybody knows that up and say, I will remain. I will remain. I'll find it. Yes, I will see Whoa. the goodness of the Lord. Time, the Lord, the, the Lord. Lord is my light and my life. Who shall I fear? So who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid of? The Lord is my, Lord is my light and my life. Who shall
1: pray. Speak to our souls today for this is why we've come dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass but God your word will forever last. We stand ready for your word. Father we pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. Give us preaching power. and the ability to hear what you're saying. The question is not, are you speaking? The question is, are we listening? To hear what thus says the Lord. So help us to hear, and in hearing, help us to obey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So one of the things that we have discovered in working with young people over the years is that many times the problems that we see in young people are simply a reflection of the problems that exist in their homes. That it's hard for a child to move beyond their parents' love, ability, or encouragement. And this is the idea of of children Being the smartest person in their home, children raising their parents, is a relatively new phenomenon. I say new because I don't care how smart you thought you were as a child, when I was a kid, you didn't run nothing in that house. (laughs) You better figure out how to run yourself to a room if you had a room. Our opinions didn't matter. But now our opinions mean everything. I have literally watched people take from their children. I'm not talking about grown children, I'm talking about young children now. I've seen them take from their young children, and man, I've just been mortified. Like I felt the slap from my grandmother, and she is deceased. And I've literally said to myself, Man, this world is turned upside down. This is crazy. This is crazy when we, when we watch the news and we see the things that are happening in the news. It's, it's crazy when, when, when we saw, for example, that young man shoot those and kill those children in Uvalde. I mean, that's absolutely insane. And then, listen to me, when they said he shot his grandmother before he went, he shot his abuela. I was like, oh my God, I know this dude had lost his mind. And and the question that we have to ask ourselves, brothers and sisters, is what is going to be our role in helping turn things right side up? I mean, we live in a world where we have children who don't understand that fine dining is not eaten with a plastic fork and knife. That the best meal you have doesn't come out of a paper bag. It actually is cooked in a pot. We're in a world that is literally upside down where children think, no, I don't have to start off and sacrifice. I want everything mama and daddy worked 50 years to get as soon as I move in my house. And guess what? Mama, it's your responsibility. Daddy, it's your responsibility to pay for my privilege even after I claim to be gone and independent. I don't know about y'all, I had to remind my children that my money comes with my advice. And you're going to hear my advice before you get my money. And if you don't follow my advice this first time, don't come back for no more money. Don't complain about how you were raised and then want to claim the benefits of the sacrifices that I made. The challenge before us is how do we get this world, at least our corner of the world, functioning in a non-dysfunctional way. So today I want to continue our talk from last week. I want to talk to you from the thought how to turn the world right side up. How to turn the world right side up. Those who are in the world, those who prefer darkness over light, will tell you that if we come in and you bring light and you bring salt and people change their way of thinking from a worldly mentality that somehow we are turning the world upside down and I suggest to you that what is upside down for the unbeliever is right side up for those of us who know Jesus. As contrary to popular opinion as this is, God has a standard for how the world is supposed to function. God has an expectation of how we are to interact with each other. God has not made us to be binary, non-binary, and bi-confused. That's not how God created us. Somebody said, well, I was just born this way. And I'm telling you, that's why you got to be born again. How many of y'all know we were all born wrong? All born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Every one of us has to make a change from where we are to get to where God wants us to be. And we're more concerned about our rights than we are about what God wants. Acts chapter 17 is our foundational text, and in Acts chapter 17, we see the people of God empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a shift, to make a change. This was not a new action. This was just a realization, a revelation of what had already been happening, because since Jesus Christ walked on this earth and called the disciples, lives were being changed and people's homes were being turned right side up. Over and over again, wherever Jesus went, change was the product. And now in the book of Acts, you have some men who are looking and they are upset because Paul and Silas had come to their town and they had a reputation that preceded them. They they said, these are the ones, these are the same ones who have been reported to be turning The world upside down and for us, they've been turning the world right side up. Let me share with you just two things today that I want you to think about, pray about and put into practice when we talk about turning the world right side up. Here's the first thing. Number one, you can turn the world right side up when you share God's love with others. When you share God's love with others, the text says in verse three of Acts 17, Paul went in. Paul went in. Paul took an initiative for three Sabbath days, for three weeks. He took the initiative to meet people who needed the Lord, meet them where they were, to communicate to them in a way that they would get it so that some of them might come to know Jesus Christ. Paul said it on one occasion like this. He said, I'm going to be all things to all men that I might win some to Christ. And that's a cultural issue more than it is a theological issue, even though it has a theological foundation. Paul says, are we willing to meet people where they are, not to stay where they are, but to meet them where they are, to communicate in a way that they can get it in order to help them to move to where God wants them to be. So he reasoned with them. And the idea of that is he talked to them. And not at them. I know you've never done it, but have you ever been around some Christians who talked at people? Yeah, yeah, they talked, and, and it was almost like they were talking down, like they were doing you a favor and, and talking to you. There was no empathy, there was no sympathy, there was no, let me meet you where you are, right? Um, they, they, don't, they don't get down on your level, they don't understand the struggles. That somebody may be going through. They basically look at it and they've been walking with Jesus for 50 years and they think somebody who knew Jesus and has known him for five minutes should be walking like they've been walking for 50 years and they're still not where they should be. People came to know Jesus as their Savior. That's what the scripture says. He says He reasoned with them and some of them were persuaded. Some devout Greeks, some Jews, and not a few leading women came to know Jesus as their savior. How do we turn the world right side up by sharing God's love with others? Look at A. You must have God's love for lost people. You must have God's love for lost people. Listen to me. The scripture says God loves lost people. He loves unsaved people. No, no, let me say it like God loves sinners. God loves sinners. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that what? He gave his only son that whosoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5, verses 7 and 8. Read it with me if you will. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, here's here's the thing about God that you need to accept and come to grips with. He knows you. He he doesn't know who you pretend to be. He knows who you really are. Like like all of the secret thoughts, words, and he knows you and despite knowing you, he loves you. He loves you not because you deserve it, but because you need it. And guess what God says? The same love I have for you, I want you to have for those who don't know me. Now, here's the problem. Much of our love, much of the love that we give is what? Conditional. And if we don't think people deserve our love or if they have messed over our love, man, we we reel that thing in. Now you're going to have to earn my love. Now you're going to have to deserve my love. And God basically says, what if I treated you the same way? Like how many times did you mess up when I loved you? How many times have I loved you despite and loved you until and loved you unto? And God says, that's the same love that I want you to have for unchurched and unsaved people. So let me put a cord in the meeting and park here for a second. When you have unchurched and unsaved family members, man, listen, all of us got fools in our family. I, I mean, come on, we all, we all got them. We all got them. Hopefully you don't live with them, but we all have them. And there's certain folks you already know, family reunion, funeral, wedding, you already praying preemptively, right? You had to like preemptively forgive. You already know. Here's what I need you to understand. You can't win who you won't speak to. And arguably, the person that's, that's the biggest fool gives you the opportunity to show them the greatest love. Because sometimes that's really what they need, just somebody to encourage them, somebody to pray for them. And if they act really crazy and you start talking about the Lord, that'll help you out. (laughs) But it'll also plant a good seed with them. So do you love the lost like God loves the lost? Some of you don't know any lost people. You've been in church, you're a professional Christian. You don't know many lost people. You tried to X them out of your roller deck. You know, I don't want to talk to nobody that don't know Jesus. So, so, so how does somebody who doesn't know Jesus come to know Jesus if you have become so holy that you don't even speak to him? Right? Um, I've got some friends that I know are not saved that I talk to. I I, see them. I send them a text. They send me a text. Rev, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Boom, boom, boom. They know where I am. I know where they are and I can share with them the love of God with the goal of winning them to Christ because I know sometimes they won't get there overnight. Sometimes they're just checking to see the credibility of my faith before they decide whether or not they're willing to import what I'm exporting. Look at B, you must show God's love to all people. If you're gonna turn the world right side up, you must have God's love for lost people, but you must also show God's love to all people. First John chapter four, beginning at verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word that simply means a powerful theological term that simply means Jesus paid the price with his blood. He paid for our sins. Beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. John 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's the proof. Isn't it amazing? When we think about being Christian, we think more about what we wear than how we act. We think more about what we drive than how we talk. We think about hats and bags and shoes and suits and ties, and and, and we'll talk about what clothing we have and what cars we drive and where we live and none of that is proof that we are a child of God. He says, you prove to the world that you are my disciples when you learn how to love. I love first Peter chapter four. Look at verse seven. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. This last one, 1 Thessalonians 3.12, let's read it together. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Overflow just as our love for you overflows. Can can you underline that phrase? Grow and overflow? He says you ought to have a love that grows. Now, isn't it interesting that for many people, their problem is not growing in love, it's falling out of love. God says your love for one another, child of God, should be growing and your love for all people saint and sinner should be evident and should be present i want you to think just for a moment about the most loving person you know or maybe have ever known i listen i i I, i'm right now i i'm 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 looking at ron ward i'm thinking about his mother my dear Man, she loved everybody. Loved everybody. Man, if you you was around her more than one second, you was just just adopted into the family. She she just loved everybody. I don't don't know if she ever had a bad word to say about anybody. She, She didn't even have that kind of spirit. Now, some people would attribute that cantankerous nature to being old. And I submit to you, when you're young and cantankerous, you're going to be old and cantankerous. Like, don't blame that on getting old. You know what I mean? Like, if you're nasty young, you'll be nasty old, right? If you're nice when you're young, guess what? You're going to be nice when you're old. I I think the likelihood of those things parallel. If somebody thought about somebody whose love was growing and overflowing and you ask them to think about somebody who had those characteristics, would they think about you? Would they think about you? See, these early Christians appear radical compared to us. When in actuality, they weren't radical, it's really that we're not radical enough. Because they're not doing anything that we can't do. And the biggest problem is many of us live today a Christianity that's turned upside down instead of living a Christianity that turns the world right side up. Let me say it again because some of y'all missed it. Too many of us are living a Christianity that's upside down instead of living a Christianity that would turn the world right side up. Let me get to the second and final thing. Number two, you can turn the world right side up when you share the gospel with lost people. You can turn the world right side up when you share the gospel with lost people. Watch what the text says. Verse three, Acts 17. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Now remember, Paul shares the gospel with them. He reasons with them three consecutive Sabbaths, but he's not talking to them about small talk. The text says he is sharing with them so that they can understand how Christ suffered, bled, died, and rose again to pay for their sins. And the Jesus that he's talking about is the Christ. That's the gospel right there. That's the gospel. He he preached it. He professed it. He shared it. He claimed it with them. Now, here's the mistake. Here's what I've learned. I've learned this, y'all, and and we're going to have to work on this. We're going to have to do this on Sunday morning because there are some of you in here who don't know how to share the gospel or you're afraid to share the gospel. Either you don't know or you're afraid. And I want to remedy both of those things. I want to deal with both your ignorance and your insecurity. See, if somebody comes to you and says, man, I think I'm about to die. I want Jesus in my life. You can't say, "Uh, come to church on Sunday. Maybe the Holy Ghost is moving right at that moment using a situation or a circumstance in life to get their attention, and God has providentially put you there, what you gonna say? Uh, oh, come down, come down the aisle and give the preacher your hand and give God your heart. Somebody says to you, how do I ask Jesus Christ into my life? Do you know how to help them and walk them through how to ask Jesus Christ into their life I don't care if it's the four spiritual laws, the Roman road, the three circles, whatever it is. You ought to be able to and be comfortable with helping somebody come to know Jesus. Let me tell you the most one of the most rewarding times and one of the saddest times that I've had in ministry and it happened at the same moment. I had a member of our church call me and say, "My uncle is dying." And pastor, we don't know if he's saved. Would you come and make sure he's a Christian? Happy moment. Man, I'd be honored to come. Sad moment. Why are you calling me? You ought to be calling me, telling me, Pastor, we didn't know that my uncle was saved or not and we gave him, presented the gospel to him. He accepted Jesus Christ as his savior and we can give that as a praise report at his funeral. That's what they should have said. But they felt so uncomfortable and grew up in church. Felt so uncomfortable with the conversation and taking them through that that they asked me to come and do it. Each one of you, every one of you, you ought to be a world changer. You ought to be a person that can turn the world upside down or turn somebody's life right side up. Look at John 17, 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This is Jesus praying to the Father, talking about the disciples of whom we are now one. Look at John 20. Go down to verse 21. And again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So I am sending you. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Jesus is not saying you got to witness the poor people. Jesus is saying you ought to share your faith with lost people because all poor people are not lost and all rich people are not saved. Y'all, y'all missing it. You're not even getting it. See, see, I love when people have this kind of upper middle class socioeconomic philosophy of sharing the gospel. We got the sin... Missionaries over to some poor areas. We got to send them over to Kelly Court. We got to send them over to CUNY Homes. No, send them over to River Oaks. I'm just saying. You ain't got to send a mission team to the flea market. Send them over to the Galleria. Because the Bible says it's harder for them to get saved than it is for those who don't have. There are lost people who were down and out. There are lost people who were up and in. Let me, let me close I'm just telling you Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I don't have time to deal with all of this. I'll share it with you on next week. But 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 watch what the text says. The text says, "You will be my witnesses." Look at what he says. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, "Start in Jerusalem with the people you love. Go to Judea with the people you like." Don't stop there. Go to Samaria to the people you don't like. And when you get to Samaria, don't stop there. Go to the world to the people you don't know. It's as if it's as if the Lord says, let's just cover everybody. Cover the people you love. Cover the people you like. Co- cover the people you don't like. And cover the people you don't even know. So I told you last week about, about the painting. I, uh, <laughs> every time I would go in, I would look at that painting. I said, man, something wrong with that painting, yo. That painting looks, looks like it's not hung right. And, and I couldn't figure out what the issue was. Because whoever put the hooks in and put the cable on to hang it, put it like right in the middle. So I couldn't get a hint, you know, as to how high or, And then I got a clue. You know what let me know whether or not that painting was upside down? I looked for the artist's signature. I looked for the artist's signature because here's what I knew. If anybody knew how it was supposed to be hung, the creator of the painting would know. And he would never sign his creation upside down. So I stopped looking at the painting and I started looking at the signature. And when I saw the signature, I said, oh yeah, this painting's upside down. Because the artist would not have signed it upside down. I turned it the right side up. Now watch this. It still didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I knew at that moment it was right side up because I followed the artist and his signature. All I'm trying to tell somebody in here is, if you're wondering whether the world is right side up or upside down, don't look at the world. Look at God and his word because God has created the world to be right side up. And if the world is turned in a way that does not agree with his word, then the world is upside down. And when people in the world want to tell you the Bible is upside down, you better tell them, oh, no, 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 the Bible is right side up. We've just painted a picture in the world that is upside down. Come on, somebody say amen in this place. Father, we bless you. (laughs) And we thank you. Because in your word, God, you have shown us. God, help us today as believers to stop thinking about what people in the painting are saying. And people who are looking at the artwork are saying, Help us to look to the Creator so that we can turn things right side up. In our lives personally, in our homes, with our families, with our friends, on our jobs. Help us, God, in all that we do and all that we say, to model what it means. To live in a world that's right side up it's in jesus name we pray amen
0: If you really believe that, I want you to encourage your brother and your sister. Tell them God is doing something wonderful in you. Come on, sing. Oh, God. God is doing it on the inside. And it's showing up on the outside. And it's showing up on the outside. Something Something awesome awesome and incredible. incredible. And only we will get the glory. God God is doing doing something something wonderful. wonderful.